Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Let me pray and then we're going to get straight straight into this today. Um, why don't you pray with me wherever you are and let's, let's believe for something to go on in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for every person in every room today, Lord, wherever we are. And God, we just pray together that you would, God, we never want to just do church. We need you. We worship you, Jesus, and we need you, Holy Spirit. God, there'll be people linked in today that are completely unfamiliar with who you are and the way you work. I pray there'd be a felt sense of your presence, not because we run on feelings, but because you live and because you promise to be in the midst of us wherever we gather. So right here and everywhere where we gathered, come Holy Spirit, take this word, use it for your glory. May it do incredible good in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, We're talking again today about passion. I started last week to talk about passion and how to get it, how to keep it and how to harness it. Have you ever lived with passion for something? Have you ever lost passion for a thing? Have you worked out how to harness passion in your life? When I was seven years old, I started to go for the rugby league team, the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. One of the great inventions of God in the modern world is sport, and in particular, the blue and white colours of the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. And when they lost that original grand final when I was seven years old, tears filled my eyes. One year later, they came back and they became triumphant. In in Australia, we call them the premiers. In America, they'd call them the world champions. And, And Canterbury won and joy filled my heart. Now, 49 years of living and the Canterbury, current Canterbury team, sorry guys, I'm hoping none of you are watching this morning. Um, The Canterbury team that I follow is currently the worst team they've ever had in my living history. My passion is at a very low ebb. In fact, I only check in to see the scores and then I just move on. So passion can come and go. Passion can rise and fall. But when it comes to God, He calls us to live as passionate people. It's... It's the only way really to live life, passion, how to get it, how to keep it and how to harness it. I want to bring you to a guy, a a guy it sounds, a a man called Elisha and a king called Jehoash. And it's it's like the the final scene of Elijah's life and and Elijah, not Elijah, Elisha, the the one who followed Elijah. And and if you don't have a Bible background, Elisha um, is like the prophet of prophets. He's like the man of the hour. He is the Nelson Mandela of South Africa in his time. He is the um, Winston Churchill of the war age. He is the, pick the name of the person of the day. Elisha was the man of the hour. Everybody wanted to know Elisha. Everybody wanted to be in the presence of Elisha. Everybody wanted to get what they call a word from, of God from Elisha, unless you were playing up. Then you didn't want to be anywhere near Elisha because he was going to reveal where it was really at. And this is the end of Elisha's life. And he, he comes to this scene we're about to look at. And he and the king of um, the nation of Israel, God's people, are in the room together. 
And he says to the king, essentially, this is a prophetic moment. This is right here. We are going to declare the future. And the, the king knows what whatever Elisha has declared across his lifetime, it comes to pass. This is as big as a moment gets in a person's life. One day, hopefully, when my life is done, I, I hope that God would grace me with time to give final words to my wife and to my children. I might outlive Bron, but probably not going to outlive my children. Won't outlive Bron either. I'm about 35 years older than Bron, so. But I hope that I get to say something. You can imagine that's this kind of moment. But, but imagine there was an edge on my moment with my wife and my kids because Elisha wasn't just saying goodbye. Elisha was able to speak to the future. He was, you know, people talk about Nostradamus. Nostradamus, God, not God bless him, whatever. Nostradamus is held up as a predictor of the future. Man, he has got nothing on the prophets of the Bible. Elisha's every word came to pass in his lifetime and ever since. In fact, Elisha's prophecies are still known around the world, even to this day. And Elisha's standing with the king and he's about to speak to the king's future and to the nation's future. And that's where we're going to pick up as we talk about passion today. 2 Kings chapter 13 from verse 14. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness for which he would die. Illness is part of life, right? Sometimes in the church we get this crazy idea like no one should get sick. But Casey Chambers said it well. We're all going to die someday, Lord. We're all going to die someday. Daddy's over the hill. We're all going to die someday. Oh, that was awesome, wasn't it? Sorry. Gosh. If you weren't in the room, I'd be feeling slightly self-conscious now, but you were very kind in that moment. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from, from which he'd die, and Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said to the king, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. He said, now take the bow and... And you take it in your hands. And the king took it in the hand. He says, now open, open the east window. And so the king opened it. And Elisha says to the king, shoot. And the king shoots the arrow out the window. Clearly there were no people on the other side of it. And, and, and he said, the Lord's arrow of victory. But now, now Elisha shifts from this symbolic gesture, which the king would have understood because of the time in which he lived. And he shifts from this symbolic gesture to start to speak to the future. He says, um, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. And Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Armenians of Aphek. You know, your enemies are not going to be able to stand against you. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And so the king strikes the ground three times. And then he stopped. Listen to what happens next. The man of God, Elisha, was angry. He was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you have, would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. What on earth is that all about? The king strikes the ground three times. And the prophet says, what should have been is no longer about to happen. 
Do you find that a bizarre scene? Like what just happened? And, and it's all a bit foreign to us and probably even the king caught off guard. And, but it, it should have been a catalyst moment, a symbolic moment, a, a significant statement by the king. That's what it was meant to be. In the same way that if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that baptism, it's like, a, it's like a pivotal statement. It's a symbolic statement, an act of obedience and a symbolic statement that, that is profound and powerful. And this was that kind of moment. And, and, and the king, as he steps up to it, um, hits the ground three times and he kind of shoots the arrow and, and Elisha says, oh, you've blown the opportunity to have everything that God intended you to have. And you look at it and go, what's going on? Well, here's what happened. It, it was a passion problem. Jehoash, his problem was a passion problem. It wasn't what he did, it was that what he did and what that said about his heart that it's kind of the impression is he says you should have hit the ground five or six times you'll notice you might not know you'll never notice to this day you know sometimes I'll be sending something and I'll put four um, exclamation marks or five or six there's a number of exclamation marks um, that are reserved for my wife that are specific for her I only do it for Bron true story I'm not telling you the number but it actually, the idea comes from here. And, and, and the reason I do it, I know this sounds weird, is that it's a reminder to me of who I'm most passionate about. And only she gets those. If you ever get four exclamation marks from me, it was an accident. <laughs> if it's a generic thing, I might put four to six. And it, why I do is it reminds me that I want to live with passion. Seriously, I've done it since I was in my 20s. I, I, because I want to live my faith out and my life out with passion. And every time I do it, it reminds me of that kind of thing. And, and because what happened here with the king was he, he just, it wasn't passion. It was like, how many, how many arrows do I need to shoot, Elisha? Are, are we done here? How, how many, what, what's the minimum amount of times I can hit the ground, Elisha, so that you as a prophet, prophet will be, you know, this will happen and, What's the minimum I need to do for this to come to pass? It's a, it's a heart thing. It's a passion thing. And Elisha says, if you only realize the moment you stood in and what this could have been, oh my gosh, but now. And I think, I think, I think that the church, we stand in that kind of decade. I want you to take that in. I'd hate you to leave to here to just drift through it. We stand in that kind of decade and it looks for a people who will live passionately in their lives, passionately for God, passionately. I'd love to live, I think we should live passionately about most things, but certainly passionately for Jesus. And so, uh, you know, the high cost of low passion, that's what we see here. And in a moment, I'm going to contrast that with, the, with what I've written here, the powerful force that is high passion. Uh, we see the high cost of low passion, and we're going to see the powerful force that is high passion. How's your passion today? Now, generally, you might not know Jesus. How's your passion for life? But especially if you do, how's your passion for him? How's your passion for God? How are you going with that passion? How to get it, how to keep it, and how to harness it. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 is the verse we looked at last week. And it says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire serving the Lord. Wow. The Bible comes along and says, Hey, 
Never be lacking, never. Not on any day of the year or any day of your life, it happens to all of us. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, keep your spiritual fire as you serve God. Live passionately for Jesus. Last week I shared this, my favourite Bible version. It's called the DFB Bible. And uh, I've only written one verse for it so far in the Darren Francis Bunnell Bible. It says this, don't fade out, keep yourself fired up. We live in a time where everybody is worried about burnout, right? True? Everywhere you go, everybody's burning out. Burnout's real. I've nearly done it myself. I'm not saying we shouldn't worry about burnout. But I think a whole lot of us need to be as concerned about fade out as we are about burnout. I know a whole lot of people make decisions about burnout that really need to be a whole lot more concerned about fade out in their faith. And so the Bible comes along and says, hey, live with a fire, live with a passion, live with an edge, live with a zeal. Let it stir on the inside of you and may you stir it up on the inside of you. How to get passion, how to keep passion and how to harness passion. So last time we we talked about how to get it and uh, the, the podcast is there, you can go to our website, hit YouTube and, or Facebook. You can watch that message last week and that will really be helpful to you. Today, I want to talk about, not about how we get it or how we keep it, but how we harness it. How do we harness passion in our lives? And harness, to harness something is this. It's to dictionary, not me, so it's accurate. To harness something is to put to effective use for a particular purpose to harness something, to put to effective use for a particular purpose. And that's precisely what God wants us to do with passion, is to take it and to harness it and put it to use for a particular purpose. Um, Harness passion takes passion, takes zeal, fire, desire, energy, and it channels it, it activates it. And that's what God wants us to do with it. Harness passion becomes this Um, intangible force that gets us started, that keeps us fired, that energizes until a thing is done. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure you're like me. I want to live with passion. Does anyone know that Hamilton came out on um, Apple TV this week? Does anyone know what Hamilton is? The stage show, right? Okay, yes. Yeah. So anyone that knows a kid knows about Um, maybe knows about Hamilton. I know how it works. Hamilton has taken the world by storm. It's so big that they've put the stage show onto Apple TV. They haven't even bothered to make a movie. They've just taken the stage production and put it straight on. Well, our youngest daughter, Kate, loves Hamilton. I know already I love American history, but I know more about American history now and the uh, the time of the war in the 1700s because my daughter, Kate, can tell you everything about Hamilton that production about Hamilton. And you know, the other night when it came out, my kids were up till one o'clock watching Hamilton. It goes for nearly three hours. I watched it to intermission. And then because I'm no longer a young adult, I went to bed at midnight and then I watched the rest the next day. But my kids watched it to end. My daughter will watch that show. I reckon it it will be no exaggeration. I'm just getting clarity from Bron that she will watch that at least 20 times over the next year, yes. Because she is so passionate about Hamilton the musical. God wants us to live with passion. He wants us to get it. He wants us to keep it. And he wants us to harness it. So let me show you an example of this. John chapter 2, verse, verses 15 to 17. It's Jesus. 
Some of you will know the account, some of us will not. It's Jesus. Oh, I didn't realise you were here, Katie. Sorry about that. No five bucks because I didn't know you were here. They um, <laughs> thought you were in bed. John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Jesus is fired up about something. We get this picture sometimes like Jesus, like this sanitised version of Jesus. You know the one I mean? I, I, honestly, I, I dislike sanitised Jesus with all my heart. But I love real Jesus, the fired up Jesus. The Jesus who walked, who, who read a room and knew when it needed tenderness. And he knew a room when, and knew when he needed to fire the place up. He knew when he needed to turn the place upside down. He knew when he needed to come in gently. He knew when it needed grace. And he knew when he needed to look someone in the eye and tell them the way it really is. I love it. Jesus was, he was more activist than pacifist. He was fired up. And he, so this, so Jesus, looking at what was going on in the temple, this is what he did. He didn't put his hand out. Bless you, my child. This is what he did. I love it. So he made a whip. He made a whip out of cords. And then he drove everybody out of the temple courts. Both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers. Talk about not caring what anybody thinks. And overturned their tables. It's awesome, right? To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market and his disciples remembered that it is written zeal for your house will consume me Jesus lived with high passion Jesus was fired up and his passion translated into the actions we see here here's, here's, here's the first thought around harness passion number one think passion with purpose think passion with purpose Jesus does in the temple what he does because first of all he's passionate about God he's living Romans 12 11 never be lacking in zeal be fired up serving the Lord he's living that out in his life he's doing what we talked about last week he's got that going on and because that's going on because his big picture is passion for God now the practical outworking is practical outworking is passion for the temple and, and passion for the way people treat God's house. And it, it, the big picture translates to this very practical outworking. And then Jesus gets to action. And that's what passion does, isn't it? When a, when a believer is passionate about God, that will translate in specific areas. I don't know about you. I think the fact that you're in the room or that room there today says to me that you are first, there's this part of you that is or fully passionate for God. And then as a result of that, you're passionate about gathering with his people. You're passionate about having communion. You're passionate about worshiping Jesus. If I'm not there yet, he wants me to go there. And it's not about following a set of rules and rituals. It's about being passionate for Jesus in a way that will turn up practically in our lives and the actions that will follow. Jesus puts together a, a cord of whips and he gets to work. Imagine him this morning coming in here and whipping Nettie out of here going Nettie's in black you shouldn't wear black to church my uncle told me that when I first went back to church as a 21 year old I turned up to work in black and he said did you go to church like that I went I didn't know you couldn't wear black I thought I am in big trouble and just so you know you can wear black if you haven't noticed I wear black every second week um sorry I told you that story a lack of practice at being in the room what was I talking about think passion Jesus zeal for his house translated into passion for the temple that's what passion for God does and it, and it had this outworking it had this action 
And so for us, it's the same thing. Passion for God will translate into passion in areas of our life. It should translate into passion for the poor. Like if I'm a believer in Jesus, that just should be a natural outflow. If I'm passionate for God and got a zeal for God, it'll translate into a passion for the poor. It'll translate into a passion for all kinds of things that God has called us to, which leads us into point number two. Number two, passion is to be directed and activated in God's universal purposes, long sentence. Passion is to be directed and activated into the universal purposes that God calls everyone to. Sometimes when a person gets passionate about God and the things of God, it can all get channeled into one little area. Now, Bron mentioned Trish before. I'm pretty sure that Trish, if you go out, my office is out the back here and it has three people allowed in this space on the door. Um, I don't know that Trish was super pumped this week about having to work out how many people are allowed to be in my office. I doubt she went, oh, I'm so fired up about getting to work out the square meterage for every room across these two buildings and what that's going to look like. No, it's just, it's just something that needs to be done. And so sometimes passion isn't just my favourite thing in the world. Passion is a universal thing. It's got, there are things that God has called every believer to, you know, as a believer. And, and sometimes it's not natural. Sometimes we have to stir it up, but a, a passion you know, just to pray and those things. I think I said it last week that, that I realised in the way I prayed, you know, as, as life moves on, it's, it's good to go to a youth. Um, uh, every year I have to represent the ACC at our youth leaders retreat. And it's like, the room's nuts. I'm over in the corner. I feel like I'm 100 in that room. It's, it's, it's literally, they're going absolutely nuts. So I'm there doing my thing that I do when I'm worshipping Jesus. And these guys are jumping and it's sweaty and it's gross. It's like, I'll just have a cue for deodorant over here. And, and they're going. And then, and then for me, because the way I'm wide, like, I'm like, hey, God, we just did four songs. We're, are we good now? I'm done. Like, I feel like I've worshipped Jesus. An hour and a half later, an hour and a half later, they call it to a halt. And, and these guys aren't, you know, they're not quietly going about it. They're yelling, they're screaming. You can go, well, it's noise and emotion. Yes, it is. Passion. Zeal for your house has consumed me, Jesus said. Now you can be loud or you can be quiet, but it's passion living from the inside out, the passion that Jehoash lacked and the passion that Elisha was looking for, the passion that the Bible calls us to live with. And the reality is the best way to live is with passion. Think about what you're passionate about just for a moment. Isn't life so much better around the things where you have passion? Is for me. And I'm, I'm looking down the barrel this year all the sporting teams I follow in, in Australia and overseas, none of them look like they've got a chance in hell. Can I say that? A chance in hell, just to be certain, of winning anything. I'm like, I'm looking for a sporting team that can win something this year. I, I don't know where it might be. And I've forgotten why I'm telling you that story as well. Passion. Universal. Being kind, doing good, showing mercy, living generous, great work ethic. The way we pray, the way we live, just to live with, with passion in God's universal, the things that God has universally called us to live with passion about. And then number three, discover and go after the unique purposes God stirs in you uh, or in us. The unique purposes. And this is the part I love. I want to be fired up universally because I'm fired up about Jesus. But, 
but this is the one I love. There are things unique to you that God places in your heart. There are things that unique to me if I open up my life to Him, the passions that He places in my heart that I'd have a natural zeal around a fire for that kind of thing. You know, for Bron, we just did our 8.30 session uh, service where we, we teach through a text and then we do a how-to on Monday. So Bron taught through the text in James chapter 1 and 2 and, and, uh, and then I got to speak topically on mercy. But Bron loves to pull apart a Bible passage. Bron will, every day that you allow it, sit with you and tell, her, and tell you what came out of the Bible as she read it and give you the history and the context and the application to the day in which we live. She loves that stuff. It's a, it's a deep passion for her. For me, building the local church is like fires me up. No one has to tell me to get out of bed and go and do what we do to build the local church. No one has to tell me to think about repositioning for the future. And I just got passion for that because God has placed it on the inside of me. People finding their sense of God-given purpose. People living for God in a way that, that they live God, lives that only God could, could see happen. Oh, I'm passionate about that. I want everybody to come to the centre of God's will in their life and live from there. I'm passionate. No one has to, it's just a passion. It's not in everybody, but it's in me. And what's in Brian is in her. And there are unique passions that God has placed within you to serve Him with. So let's think about that for a couple of minutes. What's, what stirs on the inside of you? What are the passions that stir on the inside of you? And I think that, Every passion just about, there might be, there's a few that we should kill off just for the record, you know, like, um, but um, synchronised swimming, like if you're into synchronised swimming, you probably should kill that passion and go, that's definitely not from God, that might be from the devil. And, um, but there are some passions to kill off, sorry to the synchronised swimmers amongst us. Um, um, passion, what, what, what stirs in you? Don't even think about God for a moment, just think. You know, some of you know the story very well. Um, you know, but, but I've got some good friends. I won't use it, actually. I've got some good friends who love business. I mean, they love business. I love business. Sometimes I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. I, I, not really. I don't wonder. But I love business. I love enterprise. On my day off yesterday, I just watched docos on um, J.P. Morgan and R.D. Rockefeller, who was a Christian, by the way, R.D. Rockefeller, richest American that ever lived. They asked him, and he, they, he, he's a giver to God's people back in the day when he was alive. And they said to him, how do you continue to give? He said, I learned to give when I was a little boy, and on my dollar fifty a week, my mum would say, you need to tithe on that. So when I became the equivalent of a billionaire, he said, I just, I just kept doing the same thing as it grew. Great testimony, great story, R.D. Rockefeller. But the thing is, passionate about business. It's just that their business, people like that took their business and gave it higher purpose as they, they just factored God into the equation. We can be passionate about just about anything when we turn it towards God's purposes. When, you know, they're standing here when Soph is leading us in worship this morning. Soph could be just singing in a bar or singing wherever, who knows? She could apply for the voice. Um, four judges will turn, Soph, you'll be right on your way. But, you know, whatever else she does, and all that would be fine. Bottom line is, Soph knows to take her gift and to take her passion and serve a higher purpose with it, and his name's Jesus. And so, God, there are things that might seem like very natural passions that actually God has 
placed in you. I've never seen anyone, I'm not saying this is her passion, but Chrissy who cleans all these buildings, <coughs> I've never seen anyone so passionate about doing a diligent job around cleaning a building. But she understands that, that, that it's part of service to God. Which cleaner have you ever met that's passionate about? I used, to, I used to do cleaning when we first started our church. I can tell you I was not passionate about it. Um, the only thing I was passionate about was listening to the podcast while I got it done. But if you ran into Chrissy in this building, you would think that, my gosh, that woman, what's going on? But she's got a fire and a zeal and it translates and so does yours. So that's number three. Here, here, here's some ways to work it out. Seven ways to know that this might be it. Number one, you can't shake it. Number two, you're energised by it. Number three, when you try it, give it time, there's favour on it. Number four, people comment comment that you're made for this. Now, there are things people will comment to me on. There are other things, like when I sung before, none of you really commented, <laughs> did you? No one after this service is going, hey, Daz, you should bring more items. Number four, this is how you know. It's not about you. And, and, and the thing is, we don't know it's not about us originally. We, we, we don't know until it gets tested and we don't get the credit or we don't get the glory or we're doing it in private or it's harder than we thought. There's no fruit at the start. There's no results coming. And then we recognise over time that actually this is about me or it was about me. It's not going to be about me. Seven ways to know um, is that it's not about you. Number five, that's number six is you do this for free. One thing I love about all uh, about the staff of our church is that they'd all do it for free. Good news is starting this week, they can. We're, going, we're, going to, we're just going to give it room to breathe. No, we're not. Um, but they do it for free. In fact, the reason they have the jobs they have is because they used to do what they do for free and it became a rollover time. When you're passionate about something, you'd, you'd probably do it for free. And number seven, it's so important to you that you'll do it regardless of the cost or the return. Now, there's a limit to cost. We shouldn't sacrifice everything, our family, our health, and, but, the, but you'll pay the price for what you're passionate about. And so this morning, as, as we wrap this, how I just think God has placed something in your life and mine is God has wired all of humanity with the capacity for passion. Looks different for everybody. Did you see, I don't know, some of you would have seen our social media post this week announcing that we were back in service. And it was completely unrehearsed. It was actually unscripted. It was late at night and Bron said, we've got to do a post. <clears throat> my reaction was to go, oh, awesome. No, my reaction was, really? It's nine o'clock at night. Can we do this tomorrow? No, we need to do this post right now. Okay, so we go into our room, click on the camera and say, hey, everybody, you know, um, back to services this week. And then Bron just pumps in and goes, the boys are back. The boys, I don't even want to do it. I feel awkward doing that, but she jumps around. Passion looks different. We're both passionate about coming back, but passion looks different for everybody. The main thing is this, God's created you with a capacity for passion and He wants to do something with your life for His glory, for people's good, and to build His kingdom. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, 
head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.